While strides have certainly been made to support women in their careers, there's still a lot of work to be done. And our guest says women need to focus their energy on the things they truly want. If it's something you want, that energy is like a rocket fuel uh, boost to keeping you going because there's going to be adversity. Whether you shut the door on yourself, oh, I can't do that kind of a door, or somebody else shuts the door on you, which means you need to go figure out how to kick it down or wire around it. But you've got to be aware that you, you can do anything you decide to do if it's important to you. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Moving Up the Ladder on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Susan Combs is a strong, straight shooter who has created her own path. Among other things, she was the Texas comptroller and the state's first female agriculture commissioner. She also looks to push other women to produce their own successes in her book, Texas Tenacity, A Call for Women to Direct Their Destiny. And we're happy to have Susan with us today. Thanks for coming on the show, Susan. Well, I'm delighted to be on. Thank you. Now, with your book, Texas Tenacity, A Call for Women to Direct Their Destiny, I guess the big question that always comes out as far as writing a book is, what are you hoping that women do draw from what you wrote? I'm hoping that women uh, feel that they have the uh, opportunity to dare to be the person they want to be and not meet somebody else's expectations, that if you're living somebody else's life, then it doesn't make you as efficient at living your own. And that's why I've also launched something called Herdacity, mm-hmm. a contraction of her audacity, and that'll launch in a couple of months. But mainly it was to say, to women, you can do what you want, but you have to be tenacious. You have to be persistent. And of course, you have to know what your goal is, which means you have to know who you are. Sure. Do you find from your experience that that's something women struggle a bit more with than, say, your average male? Yeah, and I think the data supports that, which is very interesting to me, is that, you know, give a couple of examples. If you've got a bunch of people in a room and there are, you know, 25 or 30 percent women and the rest are guys, women basically don't speak up. And secondly, from a self-confidence perspective, there's a lot of data that says if both male and females have been on a job for two years, the guy believes he's ready for the next step. And the woman does not. Hmm. And so they, they analyze more. The women do, oh, I'm not so sure I'm ready to do this. And the guy sort of is over-aggressive in a sense about his confidence that he believes he can do it. And that, that delta, that gap, uh, holds women back in many instances. They don't believe they can do it, and which means they don't try. Sure. What are some other things that you feel are challenges for women, especially when you're talking about success in their careers? What you just noted, obviously, is a big one. You're talking about the mental side of it. But there are other areas that I would imagine you see as challenges women have to overcome. Yeah, I think one is uh, if the woman has children, Hmm. that adds a whole layer of complexity to her advancement, to how she's perceived, oh, you're going to be taking time off and they don't, I think a lot of employers don't really consider that the woman, if she gets a flexible work life, right. she's very likely to do everything that is needed. She'll just deliver in a slightly different time frame. Whereas if the guy says he has to leave to go pick up little Freddie, um, he's lauded as being, what a great dad. The woman leaves it, well, you know, she's kind of a slacker. She left work. Is that something that you think has changed at all for the positive over the past, I don't know, couple decades? Or is that something that still we're kind of fighting ourselves against, so to speak? I think it's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we are in 2017. 
But I will tell you, the primary reason that I wrote the book was because of an incident that happened in Austin, uh, mm. which is where I live. And Austin is a very progressive, you know, left-leaning community. But even in Austin, when they had a bunch of women uh, finally elected as city council members to become a majority, that was viewed as so strange that they needed a special consultant. So <laughs> this guy believed that women, quote, ask a lot of questions, which was implicitly a bad thing. Oh, and then women didn't like numbers, which was nonsense. Mm. And so there was a hue and cry uh, raised, and I certainly uh, chimed in. But that was in 2015 spring, not quite two years ago. Wow. So with whether it's child care or sort of tired tropes about women's talents and skills, I'm still both saddened and amazed that we're still talking some of the stuff that we would have talked 30, 40, 50 years ago. Sure. And we got to stop it. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Some of that stuff is just that's just ridiculous. I can't imagine that people are actually thinking and, and speaking in those terms. But uh, obviously, unfortunately, it's still happening uh, nowadays as well. With all this in mind, you know, you are trying to, to help guide women and push them to really take control. And that's the, the big idea behind this also. Where can they start, though? I feel like a, a lot of women and really just anyone in general, they're not really sure how to start that process, where to begin. What kind of advice can you offer up? I would say, first of all, is there something that you really want to do that makes you willing to take a little bit of risk? And I'm not talking about giant, risky steps. I think for a lot of people, we go a very long way if we will take baby steps first. But, but know what you care about and then sort of uh, try to get some people around you, some allies that will enable you to do that, that will not be, you know, just always yes, yes, Susan, yes, Susan, but they've got to be able to give you constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. And then if it's something you want, that energy is like a rocket fuel uh, boost to keeping you going because there's going to be adversity. Whether you shut the door on yourself, oh, I can't do that kind of a door, or somebody else shuts the door on you, which means you need to go figure out how to kick it down or wire around it. But you've got to be aware that you, you can do anything you decide to do if it's important to you. Another thing that I always wonder when it comes to anything like this, do you see a certain skill or trait or multiple skills or traits that you really feel women should focus on that could help them no matter what industry they go in or profession, if we're talking about their personal lives, there's something that they really should try to focus on and, and key in on. I think the one thing across all sectors, whether it's, you know, work or life, whatever, is you have to care about what it is you're doing. Mm. And so whether you want to be, you know, a head of a company or whether you want to be the best volunteer, whatever it is, if you care about it, then be very focused and very direct, one foot in front of the other. What I've at least noticed in all of my efforts is that you're sitting on this almost kind of balanced beam of life, and something comes to try to knock you off. If you get distracted and you get knocked off, whether you're trying to get to the C-suite or whether you're trying to simply, you know, get to the next level, don't get knocked off. And so that perseverance, that focus, that determination mm – -hmm. That applies in whatever sector you're in, but you've got to have you got to have the energy. You've got to be able to say, "I want that," and and also really related to that is avoid people who are negative and naysayers because that that drains so much energy from you. I, you know, I've called that sort of loosely no negative cha cha. You got to be focused <laughs> on what you want and don't get knocked off by negativity. Sure. 
No, I think that's great insight and great advice uh, for a lot of people out there, as we said, not just women, but this applies to all people as well. Uh, you noted the idea of risk a few moments ago, and uh, I had some other terms jotted down that people often bring up when they're trying to take that next step or really pushing themselves. Uh, along with risk, there's some fear, but then there's also the opposite side, that there's optimism. What do you do as far as balancing out kind of these feelings and these these ideas that come about when you really are trying to maybe step outside your comfort zone or, or trying to take it to that next level? Because I could see where people, again, kind of get paralyzed because on the one side, you're worried it's not going to work out. On the other side, maybe you're overly optimistic and you don't necessarily do everything you need to do. Where's the balance with all those things going on? Well, and I think you've raised the sort of the, the critical uh, issue. You have the risk on one side with the fear and then the optimism. And you have to balance being realistic. Hmm. Am I a, a wuss? Am I overly uh, fearful? And some of that you can kind of sort of walk through that if you have some additional folks or friends that say, well, wait, let's analyze this because if I'm putting the barrier down in front of myself, then I've already shut myself off. I am innately optimistic. I was raised in a ranching family where you have to be optimistic because you never know what's going to come next. And so my father was you know, a you know, crazy optimist. Anyway, <laughs> next year will be better. We'll have better prices. The calves will be fat. We'll have rain, whatever. That started me a long time ago. And I think you have to train yourself into some level of optimism. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, I, I think I can. I think I can do this. And I don't mean sort of wild-eyed, you know, risk assumption that's nuts, but believing that you can find a healthy and a good outcome. And I would also say, no matter what happens, if you don't get the next thing, there is something good to come out of it. And so look for that kernel of good result. There's always a positive outcome, and that's what sort of keeps my optimism going. Now, you've taken on a number of different roles and in major important roles as well. Um, you're talking about the state comptroller for Texas, uh, agriculture commissioner, you are state representative, uh, a number of roles that you've had. Did you find any of them more challenging than the other? Was there something that was maybe common that you noticed uh, was a challenge for you specifically? Interestingly enough, I never felt uh, a challenge by being female. Hmm. That was even running, I mean, all these were elected offices. I did not feel that I was worse off running for the position of agriculture commissioner. Interesting. Because people really wanted to know, did I have a ranching background? Did I actually know what I was talking about? Did I understand sort of, you know, rural Texas? What I discovered was that it wasn't being female, it was if I had an idea or a policy position or something that somebody didn't like, boy, you know, all hell broke loose. <laughs> and so that was because I espoused a notion, for example, of government transparency. I thought it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And came to find out that, no, the folks that run the, a lot of the cities and counties don't want you to find out. That was an eye-opener to me. And so that was, I had to be more determined more aggressive, more tenacious, and I won through a kind of a backdoor route. But it was it was basically that if somebody disagrees with you on a topic, just get prepared for the brick baths. Right. Was there a role that you felt you were making the most difference or something you maybe were most proud of in your time, uh, and again, in any of these roles, whether it was an elected position or some of the boards that you've been on as well? I think the two things, if I look back onto the public service, side, two things that I did that I am very proud of, and I know they were both controversial. One was uh, Texas was facing a very large 
uh, obesity crisis with our kids. And so I got the authority to uh, modify school lunches in Texas. And we had about, you know, 4 million school kids. And so I'm very proud of that. Second thing, though, was this whole transparency thing. I had not realized to what extent uh, local elected officials didn't want their tax-paying folks to know what they were doing. That was a complete shock. Sure. They they killed my bills twice uh, (laughs) that I had. And I just said, well, to heck with you guys. And so I spent 18 months, the last 18 months of my term as comptroller treasurer, putting it all on the Internet. We did it. We did the research. We threw it up there. I was basically saying, guys, you just can't keep hiding this stuff. And so I I circumvented the uh, legislative loss by just going ahead and doing it. That's awesome. Uh, now, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, wage gaps and women in being underrepresented in a number of different professions, including politics. Uh, you know, obviously, we've had a very uh, tumultuous political season the last couple of years. But some research indicates women aren't necessarily striving to get into those roles and positions. What's your overall take on all of this? And would you encourage women to, again, maybe step into those roles that they're not going to see many people like them, but you got to start somewhere? I mean, what's your overall take on, on how all this plays a role? Let me use politics as an example. We've got a very large state, 254 counties. We find that lots of women are in elected positions locally. So okay. they're the mayors or city councils. They're still at home. What the real gap is, they don't want to travel. They don't want to come mm. to Austin, whatever their, whatever their state capital is, because generally, whether we think this is good or bad, they are sort of the keepers of the home, mostly. And so Texas, it, you, you don't find any women coming from Amarillo to Austin. Hmm. It's a long way. And I talked to somebody who was in charge of the appointments office uh, for the state for five years, she said she had a terrible time persuading women to come to Austin. They don't want to come. So whether it's politics or whether do I want to keep moving to make that upward zigzag path in corporate America, I may decide I don't. Now, that said, if I'm dinged for being responsible for going to pick up the kid, and you, you always find husbands and wives are both going to pick up the kids. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I feel that putting my kids first is what I want to do, then I'm going to do that. And I think it's very individual and it's time driven. If the kids, if you have children and they're under about, you know, 10 or 12, you're probably going to not push as hard. But if your kids are gone, you're free to do whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of that is time driven. It's, It's age and decade driven. Susan, with all the successes you've had and the ways you have been able to make a difference and, you know, even just your personality, as you say, your optimism, your straightforwardness, I think people really appreciate that. And I think you certainly are a role model for women of all ages. How would you respond to people calling you a role model? How do you feel about that? Well, I think I'm visible. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm a role model. I mean, I joke that, you know, when you're over six feet tall, it's pretty hard to miss you in the room. I think I think the, the advice that I would give is that everybody has their own path. And when people say, well, you can have it all, I would say in my own case, with my three sons, I had it all, but it was consecutive. Hmm. It was, I was on a career escalator, I got off. I was on a career escalator, I got off. It was never concurrent with me because it was very difficult with three small sons. And so I would say your role model is your own. It depends on what kind of family support system you have, where do you live. I think everybody finds their own path. The only thing I would hope people would say is you can overcome your fear. That's important. You can turn yourself into somebody more active, which I did. I started out as a you know, teenager, very shy, and sort of obviously not anymore. 
But you can do these things, but you have to do them at your pace. You are the driver of your own destiny, and you have to know your own internal clock. Susan, I think that's a great place for us to leave off. I appreciate the conversation here today and truly think that a lot of women will uh, get a lot of great things out of not just this conversation, but the book also. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we're all out of time on this edition of Moving Up the Ladder. It was our pleasure to speak with the energetic Susan Combs, author of Texas Tenacity, A Call for Women to Direct Their Destiny. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or reach out on Twitter at the LJN. And you can find all of our shows both on iTunes as well as at localjobnetwork.com slash resources. Thank you once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.